This is the Fertile Mindset Podcast, where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset Coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now and live it to the full while you wait for your baby. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast, where I invited a very special guest to join us. For episode number seven, I asked Jennifer Robertson, who is a fertility coach and author based in Brisbane, Australia, to come to talk to us about her unique fertility journey and also her new book, The Injustice of Infertility. This book is honestly amazing and I was up reading it until the early hours of the morning of our interview. I just couldn't put it down and I took so many screenshots of the pages that I wanted to ask Jen about during this interview. I think I managed to cover most of them, so enjoy listening to our conversation now with the inspiring Jennifer Robertson and check out the links to connect with Jennifer and get a free chapter of her book at fertilemindset.com slash episode dash zero zero seven. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for joining me on the Fertile Mindset podcast. I'm really, really excited to talk to you today. And I know we're talking about your exciting new book as well. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You're very welcome. I mean, we've spoken before, haven't we, a couple of times now. And I do know a little bit about your story already. And I knew that surrogacy featured in your story. Uh, but reading your book, which I literally just finished a few hours ago, I was up till 1am reading it last night, just knowing that I had to read every single page before I spoke to you because I was completely absorbed into it. But, you know, it gave me such a different view on your story. Um, a really in-depth view on, on your life as well, life surrounding and before your fertility journey, but then the importance of, yeah, every step that you went through, it was it was really awe-inspiring, actually, not only what you went through, but how you processed it during and afterwards. And so we're going to dig into all of it. There's so much to talk about that I, I want to get straight into it with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for reading it, you know, and it's it's bizarre. My husband said to me the other day, I just, I forgot how big and how massive it was, all of the things that we went through. And it's not until you start writing it down that you realize, wow, this, this really is what we all go through on this fertility journey is really big. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, as I was reading it, I was revisiting my very different fertility journey and parent route to parenthood, but there were things in your book that triggered that in me. It was like, oh gosh, this has given me space to reflect now and remember when I hadn't really, you know, I had given myself some space to do that, of course, but, but not in every detail. So it was yeah, a really useful read for me as well from, from that side of it, you know? So thank you. Mm. Thank you for writing it. That's what I wanted to say. First of all, just thank you for writing it. And of course it's the title of this podcast, the injustice of infertility, but that is the book. I know it's available everywhere that people can buy mm -hmm. books and we're going to talk shortly um, towards the end about how they can get a free excerpt as well which I think is wonderful to be able to get a taster of your writing which is 
gorgeous so thank you for that but before we dive in because there's lots of parts of your book that I want to talk about and obviously parts of your journey that relate to that I was intrigued like what what brought you to actually write this book what made you think a book is what I need to do now where, where did that come from um, first, first of all, I guess it was when I started talking to other people who had struggled with fertility as well. And every time that I told my story, there was this relief. I saw, you know, physical relief. I, I heard me too, you know, like it was just this, um, this pressure that was released off them. And I thought if that's what happens to them, imagine if I could keep on telling it. So, so I guess the main reason was for me telling my story was so that I could connect with other women so that they could hear my truth and in the same tone be able to release their own and feel like, wow, it's not just me. I also wrote it for me because I'll be honest with you, on my whole journey, I never sat down and reflected. I'd never grieved. I never did anything to process it or to heal. And when I did start becoming a fertility coach, these things were, were coming up for me. And I realized that I hadn't really healed myself. So, so the second part of it was I wanted to write my story out in order to not just reflect on it, but also to heal myself. And thirdly, I wanted, I wanted something to give my kids, you know, I wanted to, I've, I've got Luca and Sophie now, and you've read the story, they did not come easy. I wanted them to know their story as well, because it wasn't conventional. And I wanted them to know that they had been loved and fought for every single step of the way so so it's for, for women out there who are going through the same thing so that they connect that they don't feel so alone for me for me to be able to heal and for my kids as well gosh three really good reasons there really and I can understand but from my ch children's perspective as well about wanting to have that story for them and that understanding about not only how much time and and you know effort went into create them but also the love that was always there from the moment that you thought about them coming into your lives you know before you even met them so I think that is really powerful I know my two boys who came to us in very different ways one through birth one through adoption um they love to listen to their stories you know they love to hear about it and and reflect on it with me so yeah that that alone is an amazing reason I, just, I want to go back to what you said though about as well sharing it with other people and noticing that reaction in them and it's that storytelling isn't it that sharing of our own stories that can create connection in such a way that that just simply you know a lot of, lot of how we talk to people is quite superficial isn't it on the surface you know how are you doing today how oh, are things and we don't 100%. really get to the depth yeah so I can imagine and you talk about it in the book as well and that's some bits I want to, to reflect on with you but you know when you had to share it and noticing different reactions in people um, some feeling awkward some feeling like they just didn't understand but those who are on a similar journey or can relate to you in any way how it just would create that that heart connection and they would feel that they're not alone and it would create a bond as well so yeah I can understand why that was a powerful driver for you. Yeah and I think the big priority for me as well was just telling my truth and yes. not just that this happened and then that happened and then I was a little bit sad, but really the deep, dark secrets that go on inside of our head 
that we don't tell anyone else. And what happens is because we don't tell anyone else about them, we we feel like we're going crazy or that we're bad people or, you know, that we're just failing at infertility. We feel like we're a big failure because we think that it's just us. And so I wanted to dive into the to the the deep dark secrets the not so nice thoughts and put them out there so that other women can go wow it's not just me and it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person this mm-hmm. is normal when you go on this process so so that was a big factor I just wanted to put it out there and I knew that I may get some flack I knew that me putting those thoughts out there for people who aren't on the journey they may read it and go wow or well, you know you're a little bit ungrateful or or how dare you or you're crazy but I just wanted to put it out there because I think that's the most important thing is just being able to speak our truth so that people who are on the journey know that it's not just them absolutely yeah thank you so much for doing that I did feel it was like a great honor to be reading your story actually every step of the way and and when that true raw honesty came through about your feelings and your fears and the things that you hadn't voiced at the time but you were sharing now in the book I just I couldn't believe that I was allowed in you know it was like this is amazing that I feel you know privileged to to hear your story so there's there's a part that you wrote at the start towards the start of the book here and I just want to read out because I think this this highlights beautifully why you wrote this book and why it's an important read as well for people on a fertility journey. So I'll just read out this little um, paragraph here. You said, I couldn't see the roller coaster in front of me. And how could I? I wasn't prioritizing my mental health or my physical health because I thought this would all be over soon enough. I figured I could deal with it later. Little did I know the emotional scars would accumulate over time and that they would be so deep and so lasting. If I had known that, I would have done things a little differently. I wouldn't have glossed over them because the habits I formed over the next seven years, I'm only just breaking down now. Mm. So what an encouraging, you know, introduction, really, that this work, it's never too early to start this work. And it's also never too late. You know, you may have done a lot of that healing after the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm guessing a lot of people listening now will still be in the depths of it, maybe near the start of it as well. And yeah, it's it's never the wrong time, is it? It's it's always a good time to acknowledge what we're going through emotionally, physically. And And I think that something that we all think at the very beginning is we're not going to be on this journey for that long. And Mm -hmm. so we just think I'll deal with it later. And I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, well, that didn't take as long as I think thought that it would. (laughs) I've never heard anyone say that. We will always be on this journey for longer than we want or longer than we think. And, and it is something that it just doesn't go away. So, so yeah, I, this book is not a, a how to, you know, this book is a, this is, these are kind of like the lessons that I learned along the way in order to help other women, you know, and if I, and if I could do it all over again, I would absolutely make changes. And that's what, I guess that's what you and I are here to do as fertility coaches is to go, okay, well, this is, this is what I would have done differently. And now I can develop programs and help other people knowing what I know now. Because when you're on this journey, you don't know it. Like you just don't know what you what you're headed into. 
Exactly. You only know it with experience and living through it. And now if people can connect with others, whether that's with friends telling their stories, with professionals like us offering support, podcasts like this, you know, it gives you that chance, that opportunity to understand before you live it yourself as well or while you're in the middle of it. So, yeah, Mm. thank you. Um, Before we dive into some aspects in the book that I want to go through that are about your story, I wonder if you could just give us like, and this is going to be an impossible task, I know, but just (laughs) in a nutshell, what your fertility story was like the treatment the options like and where you ended up like what what was your kind of um, fertility outcome what happened for you sure do you want me to tell from the beginning to end yeah I know I'm asking you to kind of give a big story in a short sentence but (laughs) we're going to dive into it more but I I kind of hinted already that surrogacy features but you know what were the kind of elements that you went through to, to get to your babies yeah, for sure. So, so the the highlights were that my husband. Well, I was thirty three when my husband and I got married, and we decided to start having babies. You know, on our honeymoon, we thought that it would be all smooth sailing, but of course, not to be. And we tried for about six months with no luck. We went to a fertility specialist, and my my husband had um sub, you know, sub level par. Uh, sorry, his sperm wasn't great quality. Mm-hmm. It was still there, but it wasn't great quality. So they suggested straight away that we go down the path of IVF, which in hindsight, um, you know, I'm a little bit annoyed at that they just went straight to that, but you don't know any better. So we went down that path. We started with our first cycle and then they realized that I wasn't getting a lining on my uterus. So there was no way that they'd be able to transfer an embryo anyway. So after that, we floated for about a year. We tried every single natural remedy we could think of to to try to thicken my lining. We went back to fertility specialists. They tried exploratory surgeries, but we just, we couldn't work out what was wrong with the lining on my uterus, why it wasn't thickening or anything like that. Because without that, then there's no way that they could transfer an embryo. So eventually after we'd been trying to conceive for about two years our fertility specialist at the time said to us look there's no other option for you to have a baby of your own but to use a surrogate and at the time we had about five frozen embryos so we thought okay that's not how we'd pictured it and luckily enough my sister-in-law my husband's sister put her hand up she'd had two boys of her own and she loved being pregnant so she volunteered to to have a baby for us and we thought that it would be smooth sailing after that as you do but for the next two years we dragged her along our fertility journey with us through failed cycles she had a miscarriage um, and and then eventually two years it took us we eventually had Luca so Luca is now six years old and two weeks after Luca was placed in my arms, I fell pregnant naturally, which was quite a, a big surprise considering a, a board of specialists, a specialist fertility doctors had declared that, you know, there was pretty much no possibility of me ever having a baby naturally myself. So, um, which was, I mean, it was fantastic, but nine weeks later, I suffered a miscarriage, which was probably one of the lowest points of of my life you know we'd had this beautiful baby boy that we'd worked five years for placed in my arms and we thought that we were off our fertility roller coaster for good 
only to be put back on it, given that little taste of hope and then thrown back off it again. So, but we picked ourselves back up and, and I had in the back of my mind that I could actually fall pregnant now. So, um, so six months later, I fell pregnant naturally again. And now we have Sophie who is four years old. So that's, that's it in a nutshell, but yes, <laughs> lots of twists and turns and yeah. yes, it's happening. No, it's not ups and downs. And, and, you know, as my husband said to me the other day, it really was a roller coaster, and, and that's why we refer to it as a roller coaster. It's the ups and downs of yes, it's going to happen. No, it's not. There's hope. No, there's not. And you just keep on pushing ahead. Yeah. Yeah. God, and it, yeah, that's why I was gripped, you know, just hearing that story in a nutshell, you can imagine reading it in a, a full length book, you know, and with the emotions, with the experience, it was, yeah, amazing. And I just wanted to get to the end point and see, you know, what happened for you, even though I knew I had a hint, because I, I, I was pretty sure I knew you had two children, but I couldn't remember whether there was another after Luca. So yeah, it was wonderful to read it. Um, something that really shone through as well was your determination. Um, and I think you recognize that yourself in the way that you speak about yourself through the book. There was just a little paragraph I want to share here, um, because I think that not only did you recognize this in yourself, but I think both of us actually recognize it in a lot of the women that come to us. So um, I titled it because I've, I've got all these little screenshots and I titled this one as the need to succeed. So this is what you wrote in the book. You said something I've come to learn about myself throughout this journey is that I'm driven by the need to succeed. I was hell bent on proving that the last 12 months of struggles, surgeries, tears and money were not wasted. I was terrified of failing. At that stage, failure looked like selling our white picket family house and saying goodbye to our happily ever after. It was never becoming a mother and never experiencing what it was like to hold a baby of my very own in my arms. Um, and you continued there as well. But, you know, it's you, you talk about your your life before you decided that you wanted a baby before you met the one as well and settled down and had a baby and you you obviously have great determination in your life you know with your career and with the success you've achieved but it's very different isn't it on a fertility journey so you had that drive but how did that play out when you were trying to apply that drive to to your fertility oh well it doesn't work does it it doesn't <laughs> work and and I am such an overachiever and I was raised to believe that if you just work harder, you can get whatever you want. And up until that point, it had worked. I had studied hard and got good grades and then I'd gone to university and then studied really hard and then, and then got a good job and I'd worked my way up the corporate ladder. And, and I was quite successful in my career and I just figured that if we wanted to have a baby, we would just apply the same principles. And that's all I knew. You know, you just work hard to get what you want. I was raised by a single mom and I'd seen her, her determination. And, and that's what drove me. And, and I approached my fertility journey with exactly the same drive and determination. I'm also your typical type A personality. I like to schedule in things. I am very organized. It was just looking back, it, of course, it was, wasn't going to work like that. You know, for some people it might, but I was just so regimented with that picture that I had in my head, that this is going to, to work out. And then, and then it didn't. And, 
but that's the the learning is that we can't just push and that's one of the big realizations that I had on this journey and this is how I coach now as well we do not produce a baby and it's not like going for a job interview it's not like getting a promotion at work but because we're so far in that masculine energy that that's all we know whereas to create a baby and I say create we're not producing we're creating a baby here we need to be in that feminine energy which for someone like me who is so driven it's really hard to get back into that that flowing and relaxation and just not being productive 24 7 so it was a real struggle for me to get into that other side and and I get a lot of people asking me, what did you do? What did you do after five years of not being able to have a baby to all of a sudden being able to have a baby? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I look back and the things that changed were I was in my feminine energy. I was on maternity leave. I was not driven by goals or key performance indicators or striving or anything like that I was just in pure taking a load off I was just purely in that flow mode which is really hard to get into so the techniques that I teach the people that I coach is to try to switch you know I'm not saying that we don't have to be driven or anything like that because if I wasn't driven I wouldn't have gotten my two children in the end you know, and I'm very proud of that. But I think that there's also things that we can do to switch it over as well and try to, we can be both. And that's what I've learned. We can be both. We can be grateful and want more. We can grieve and still be happy. We can, we can be so many things all at once. But I think that when we try to sit squarely in that masculine or I'm just going to get this done, then that's when it really, really is hard. Mm. it's interesting that you see there that yes your determination and this focus did actually get you there in a way you know it got it got you down a particular route especially through the surrogacy route and something that many other people may not even consider or have the the determination to do it in such a way but your drive got you down that particular route to parenthood and then next time you had a completely different energy that got you to parenthood with your daughter so it's interesting to see there are different ways to get to the same end point of having a family. But like you say, is, is it worth that, um, the toll that it takes on your emotional, your mental, your physical well-being as well? So it's bringing that balance in, isn't it? To see if you can conceive, we could say in the, the healthiest, shortest route possible, you know, whatever that might be for yeah. each individual. I really loved when um got to the end of the book and I knew how many pages were in the book and, you know, it was, it was staying, there was still like 10 pages left or something and the book was wrapping up. I was like, what's going to happen next? And then you had this amazing, <laughs> at the end um, which really brought together all your learnings and each paragraph was like a new gem a new learning and something that is so valuable to people on a fertility journey and I can hear some of them in, in what you were just saying there you know that that bringing those different energies and yeah finding that balance you know and it's hard when you're career driven or you're results driven and that's been the pattern in your life so far it's you're going to apply it in the mm. same way to this next goal this next 
you know thing that you want to achieve but it's it is so different because we're working with the subtle subtle energies of our body aren't we and the the mystery of that that we don't Mm. really know how that works um and just applying all that kind of goal focused energy is yeah it can push it away maybe without us even realizing um something else that you talked about in the book which was interesting this jumped out at me because we're very early on in the podcast here and we're only on episode seven now but the very first episode of the podcast I titled eat breathe sleep fertility all about how it can take over your life and you had this page well it's probably almost a whole page I'm not going to read all of it but you coined it the fertility consumption life cycle um, where we go through this series of stages of it taking over our lives and there was a little bit here that I wanted to just talk about when you talk about um, how it affected your work and other things so this is what you said you said instead of your job becoming a method of earning income it becomes an escape from the constant thoughts and a way to afford your next fertility treatment so you throw yourself into work your hobbies are replaced by researching the magic cure for infertility your time with friends is spent talking about where you're at with baby making and your friend circle splits between those who do have children and those who don't you gravitate towards those who don't have children because you don't want the constant reminder of what you don't have it's too painful and before you know it it's consumed everything your fertility journey and struggles have become your life and you're sitting to the side wondering why you have this constant deep feeling of sadness frustration and hopelessness you don't recognize the person you've become and you're so used to putting on a front and pushing those feelings deep down inside that it becomes a habit your fertility journey officially consumes you there is no you you have become the process and even I'm years since my fertility journey now I'm like eight nine years ago since I was last trying to conceive a very long time ago but still gosh that really gets me in my heart I can feel it right now that that recognition of how it takes over every area of your life and of course that's understandable isn't it and it's needed to a Mm. point because we do need to research and we do need to be aware of our cycles and plan out treatment and things you know there's a certain amount of focus that's needed but that last line where there's no you left you've just become a part of this process and you don't recognize yourself I think that's the kind of wake-up call isn't it that there's time to it's time to do something different you know and time to put yourself first and at the center of this journey absolutely but unfortunately by that stage you're just so tired and overwhelmed that it really is hard to lift yourself back up which is why it's so important. And I know that now why it's so important to just prioritize your mental well-being above everything else, mental and, and physical as well, rather than it just being about the treatment and the cure and all of that. Like it really is so important to just stay for lack of a better word connected to Mm -hmm. to the outside world as well yeah and and this is a topic we could just spend another half hour talking about but you you talk about it in your book and I think it's a simple way to bring ourselves back and take care of our emotional and mental well-being is to notice if we're living in the past the future or the present And you talk about how you said you spent seven years floating from the past to the future. And that led to seven years of depression and anxiety. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a healthy place to be. Um, But if we can stay in the present moment, then yeah, we we feel stronger. We feel more connected, more aware of what we need. Um, So I think if there's one 
learning, perhaps just from this short time that we're speaking together, there's lots more learnings in the book, but I think that is, is a powerful and maybe relatively simple one to bring into our lives, just to remind ourselves to be more present, to focus on the now, um, even as simple mm. as, you know, breathing exercises and meditation, that's all designed to, to bring us back into our body and in this present moment. So, because Absolutely. you're right. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's such a hard thing to do as well, because who wants to be living in the now when you're living inside your fertility journey like you want to do anything that you can to escape it because you actually don't want to be living into the present moment so I completely understand like it's so hard like you're just living for the next cycle you're living for when you can fall pregnant and get your baby and all of those different things so it's really hard to a lot of us don't want to be in the present moment but it's about creating a present moment that doesn't have absolutely everything to do with fertility as well. Mm, yeah yeah which is a struggle when that's all you can see so yeah having the support of friends or or you know coaches or whoever it may be to help bring that out of you can be so useful now mm. your story Jen is obviously unique and a lot of people may not have considered this as a path to parenthood or maybe um, you know they're not really sure what it would involve and that is the surrogacy element of your story so I, I didn't want to brush past that I want to just spend a little bit of time on that as well because yeah that it must have been the most amazing gift to be given, but also like, how do you, how do you get your head around that, that someone else is carrying your baby because your baby is genetically yours. It was your eggs, your husband's sperm, but someone else, someone close to you, your sister-in-law was, was carrying that baby and growing and nurturing that baby for you for the first nine months. So I wanted to just read something out from the book of short paragraph that really kind of highlighted one of the struggles, because I know there were several struggles, um, but one of them that you, you talked about. So you said, as our journey progressed, I struggled with a lack of control. I already felt like an outsider. And on more than one occasion, test results were provided to Renee, who's your sister-in-law, instead of me. She would receive the phone call and I would find out secondhand. I would be waiting on the phone call, trying my best to be patient, only to find out that the receptionist had provided the results to Renee and not me. When I rang up to make specialist appointments, they wouldn't be able to find my file because it was under Renee's name. It hurt so much that they didn't even know who I was. It felt like I was being squeezed out. And I could feel it in your story that there were these moments there that really highlighted that to you, that highlighted the fact that you're not carrying this baby. Um, even to the point towards the end, you talk about telling your neighbours and about the awkwardness yeah. <laughs> of saying there's going to be a baby arriving you know you'll hear babies you'll see me with a baby is my baby um, I haven't stolen the baby I just you had to explain you know surrogacy to people that you probably didn't even usually speak to very much so it's it's a whole different area to try and navigate isn't it and I'm I don't know did you have any role models beforehand had you had any experience of surrogacy or knowledge about it or was this all brand new to you? No, it was all brand new. And here in Australia, commercial surrogacy is not legal. So you can't do it. It's not paid at all. And when we were first going through it in our state, the legislation that was released was all very new. Our fertility specialists, we were the first patients that he was treating under a surrogacy arrangement. So, so we didn't know anything about that. And and I, and I struggle. And when you read that, like I, I feel it, I still feel it. I still feel the tears coming up when, when you read that out, because mm -hmm. I, I struggled with it on one hand, because 
I am a control freak. And because I pictured me being pregnant. And so I, I craved that. But on the other hand, I had this voice inside of me saying, shut up, Jen, just be grateful. People would kill to be in your position, but it still wasn't how I'd planned. So there were, and yes, and you're right, there were so many logistic things that you just don't think about in terms of how we were to be treated by our, our fertility specialists in terms of the delivery as well. Um, I mean, obviously this was pre-COVID, so we had to fight for both my husband and I to be in the delivery room with Renee because it just wasn't conventional. And then once um, Luca was born, we actually had to adopt him. So he wasn't my son for the first or legal, by legal arrangement. He wasn't like our names weren't on his birth certificate. So we had to go to court and go through a whole process and legally adopt him, which I just, you know, it was just one more person saying, you know what, like you're, you're not entitled to be a mum or, you know, like it was just one thing after another that just kept on saying, you, you just have to work a little bit harder. And so we were exhausted by the end of it because there were so many loopholes that we had to go through, so many things that we had to consider but at the end of the day, you know, you get to the end of the story and you look back and, and go, well, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter in the end. In, in Luca and Sophie's eyes, it doesn't matter. They don't care about how they were conceived or anything like that. But for me, like I still, I still feel like I grieve the fact that I wasn't able to carry Luca. So it, it's something that is very real. And I think that it is something that still needs to be considered by people who are going down that path. Yeah, yeah, that wound that will be there. And I, I could, there was a chapter in the book where you did talk about that kind of comparison and trying to kind of look at the, the similarities and the differences between the two babies that came to you. And I could really relate to that in myself, having had one through birth and one through adoption. And there is no comparison in a way because it's so very different, isn't it? They're both your children. They both come to you, love them exactly the same, but there's, yeah, that, that difference, that kind of disconnect between the two different ways that you actually became a parent both times. Um, and I know there are two stunningly beautiful parts of the book. I'm not going to give away all the, the amazingness right now, but the, I'm just going to say the Rene's journal and also when you told Luca, oh. they were two parts Mm -hmm. Just oh, the sigh of relief and connection that I felt then for your whole family just was beautiful. And I'm so pleased that you, you know, you include the, the hard times, the struggle, the truth, the rawness of it all. But you shared with us those beautiful kind of really private moments as well in your family, really personal moments, um, showing the kind of full circle of this and how, you know, what it really is all for and what it all really means. And, and it's that struggle that you've been through. So thank you so much for for bringing us the full story. It was so appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. And I think that's what's really important as well is not just to share the struggles, but also to, to show that, you know, women who are on their fertility journey for three, five, seven years, like you can, you can get there. You can get to that point. It is, it is possible that you can go through all of this and come out the the other end and I wanted to show that that there is that there is hope because that's something that we struggle with on this journey and 
we often just hear about the struggles but Mm. this is this is like the happy ending this is the the bad the ugly the but the beauty as well and we can all look back on those moments and see the beautiful parts of it as well like the vulnerable vulnerable parts the parts where um that weren't ideal but you can see you know those glimmers of hope peppered throughout it Absolutely. And there was something that you said about hope towards the end. And I just scribbled this down at at 1am because I I wasn't taking any more screenshots at that stage. But I wrote down because you you talked about hope and how hope is often seen as a bad thing because it kind of sets us up for failure and upset and but that we need hope. And you said that hope is not the enemy. It's what gets you through, which I think is a wonderful thing to remember. We shouldn't be afraid to hope and to connect with hope. It's natural. It's understandable. And it is our support through this journey so thank you for highlighting that at the end no no worries at all and I think mm-hmm. that's that's really important hope sometimes is what gets you out of bed in the morning yeah yeah so true so thank you for this conversation I know we could carry on talking for several more hours <laughs> there's so much in the book so I would encourage our listeners to go and take a look I know that you have a free chapter available of the book so I'm going to be putting the link to that um, it's I think it can be found on your website at jenniferrobertson.co which we're going to put the link of your website your Instagram and also direct link to get that free chapter of your book will be on the podcast page at fertilemindset.com slash podcast and if you go to episode seven you'll be able to find the transcript of this conversation you'll be able to find all the key points that we talked about listen to it again if you wish to and also importantly all those links to stay in touch with jennifer and to read the chapter of her book because i just know that you're going to fall in love with it like i did as well so thank you so much, Jennifer, for, for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure. I knew when I began this podcast that you were one of the first people I wanted to, to have on because we'd had those couple of conversations before and I'd had an insight not only into the amazing support that you offer your clients and your community, but also your own story. And once your book was released, I just couldn't resist having a, a full conversation about this because it's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate you so much. And I, and I love talking about this stuff and just helping women on their fertility journey as well. So thank you. Before I sign off for this episode, I have something very special to share with you. After our conversation, I asked Jennifer if she would like to come into the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary for a live expert chat and Q&A session. She jumped at the chance and she's going to be joining us on Thursday the 4th of February at 9pm UK time. Now that's 1pm Pacific and 4pm Eastern and in Brisbane, Australia, which is where Jennifer is, it's 7am on Friday the 5th of February. If you're a member of the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary on the paid levels of Blossom or Bloom, then you'll be able to join our chat in the private Facebook group. If you're thinking of joining or upgrading your free Bud membership, then this is a great reason to do so and you'll be able to join us at the chat. Jennifer will be sharing her mindset tips for fertility support and answering all of your questions too. So go to fertilemindset.com sanctuary to join the free level and then upgrade to Blossom or Bloom to join us for this exclusive live expert chat and Q&A just for Sanctuary members. And of course, if you're already a free member, then just log in at membership.fertilemindset.com and then go to your account to upgrade. 
I hope to see you there and also at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast. I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast and now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby. In the Sanctuary, I'll guide you through using an amazing technique called EFT or tapping and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful. If you're not already in the Sanctuary, do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now. Honestly, it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them. Go to fertilemindset.com slash sanctuary to join us today. I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast.